You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 100. Man, we made it. Triple digits. The century a milestone where podcasters find that their little project has now become something greater. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick celebrates getting to this point. A quick cheers to some folks. Then he relives an amazing weekend up north at Total Archery Challenge. The friends, the fun shots, and the food. One of the big hits was the smoked shotgun shells, it was the surprise hit of the weekend, and we break down this little meat treat for you to try. Nick also hit the foraging gold mine of golden oyster mushrooms in a very unique place. So I invite you, pour a glass, celebrate with Nick on this 100th episode of Huntivore. Well, hey folks, beautiful summer afternoon here in Michigan. I tell you what, things are really special on this episode. In fact, I've got my 10 year, uh, 10 years aged bourbon whiskey from Mammoth Distilling. Pop that cork on it. This is well worth uh, a little sip of this. Yeah, I go with a big cube as well inside the glass. It's a big day. It's super cool because this happens to be episode 100 for the Huntivore podcast. It has been a long road traveled. And before I get any further, I do have a list of people that I really need to say thank you so much for helping me get to this point. Um, as much as you want to say that there's going to be 
one person or like that we can pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and do it all on our own. That That is one thing you can do. But at the same time, I also sought out the advice and the encouragement from a lot of people. And so I wanted to go ahead and before we begin, just say thank you to a number of these people. The first is going to be my wife and my kids. This is time that is spent away from them. It's spent away from doing the things uh, in and around our family. And yeah, it may only take an hour. Well, I always tell her that it's going to take an hour, but it ends up taking much longer than that away from my family for per an evening. Then there's the times where I do have to do the editing and the posting and get all this stuff to where it needs to be. And that does, it takes time. So first off, I want to say thank you to my wife, Elisa, and my boys, Finley, Graham, and Archie. They have had to sacrifice, but at the same time, they see what kind of work and effort that I put into this, and they see the passion behind it that I'm trying to live this out every day, whether it comes to cooking something in the kitchen specifically for them, or it's I want to have them try something new that they end up being, and they end up being the guinea pigs. And so, yeah, thank you so much to my family for being able to do that. Second, um, the guy who then helped me get this thing started, uh, my former co-host, Dustin. Dustin was pivotal in helping me figure out the idea of where Hunt of War was going to be launched. I was really contemplating, like, how do I get my message? How do I then ex- like explore this brand that I've come up with? And he was pivotal in being able to say, well, if you want long form, you want to be able to talk about it why don't you do a podcast as opposed to just a YouTube channel? And that made absolute sense. That made incredible sense. And his uh, genius behind deciding that's what I need to do, that's what Hunt Devore needed to do, and him to come alongside and join me in that was very helpful. He then had to make some choices for him and his family. They actually ended up moving and doing a couple moves, and so it wasn't going to be uh, consistent for him to be on. So he he waved adieu to the show, but at the same time, he's still been engaged behind the scenes as I brainstorm things, as I'm thinking of guests to have on. He has uh, been a sounding board. And so, Dustin, thank you so much for all the effort um, that you've put into this. And at the same time, just being an awesome friend and being able to sound this off of and give me good ideas. So hats off to you, sir. Um, Next is a lady who has really been an encourager to me as I've jumped into this, and she goes by the name of Peggy Klein. I don't think many of you have, actually, I don't think any of you have, have met Peggy. She is a very boisterous woman who in her in her own right is a motivational speaker and she's been able to motivate lots of different groups of people uh to take 
extra steps and to be able to you know make life-changing decisions and as i was getting this started and when she was looking at starting her own she happened to jump on and listen to what i was talking about what i was doing and she was very excited she's like nick you just come alive when you're behind the microphone and you need to take this to the next level and so she's been pushing me and pushing me to to do more with the podcast, to jump out and to try to take the brand maybe off the all airwaves and into other other areas. And so I appreciate her pushing and encouraging and shoving to to make more out of this because she sees the potential. And so Mrs. Klein, thank you so much for all of your encouragement. And I hope you continue to push me outside of my comfort zone to try and get further further in this uh, in this venture. Also coming up is the man who sought me out and put me on even bigger sound waves. We went from the back roads of podcasting to the main highway. I want to say thank you to Dan Nine Fingers Johnson for hearing me at my first year of putting together a podcast and thinking, you know what? This guy, he doesn't sound like dog shit. So I think we're going to put them on Sportsman's Empire. And I also want to have a tip of the hat and raise the glass to all the members of Sportsman's Empire. As we've been growing and we've been able to then connect, it's been great to be able to be a sounding board to know that I've got guys that I can fall back on for ideas or for guests or whatever it may be. And at the same time, I'm able to then push that back to them. We're We're growing closer together as this thing gets bigger and as we take on more challenges. It's nice to know that I got somebody in my corner who happens to be a podcaster who can give me some advice or at the same time be a sounding board for what we're trying to do. And I also want to say thank you to every single one of my guests. You have been more than just an hour worth of a conversation. It For a lot of them, it's been repeated phone calls. It's been relationship forming, and it's been one of those things where if I do need to fall back on somebody, I can give give a shout out, or at the same time, if they're excited about something or they've, they're trying something new, they, don't, they feel free to call me up and, and be a, a sounding board as well to make the best that they possibly can out of their wild game. It's just been wonderful. Who would ever thought that having just a phone conversation or a Zoom conference with essentially a complete stranger, somebody that you meet off of social media to then go ahead and have a talk about something that you're passionate about and just everything jives and clicks and and then you start creating more and more of that relationship. So to everybody who's been on the podcast, thank you so much for what you've been able to provide, not only in your content, but then furthermore, the added benefit, the added value you've been able to add into my own use of of Wild Game. And of course, we're going to bring it over to you guys, the listeners, the champions that make this happen, that the... the, uh, interaction that I have back and forth with DMs and with comments and with likes. Like I start to figure out what folks are looking for. And if I pose out a question, hey, what do you want me to talk about? You guys are shooting out ideas. 
several of you in the last question that I posed on a story was, what is something I should try? What is something that would be exciting for you to me to see prepared? And a number of you said raccoon. You were going to Trash Panda? So now I got to get my traps out. Now I got to start searching those predators to make sure that they're not taking off our uh, our turkey eggs. But now I got to be looking for raccoons. So know that I have put that on the whiteboard that we're trying to get that done. It's just a matter if I can acquire one quickly or if it's going to take me a little bit of time. But again, listeners, thank you so much for all you've done. And in fact, for my listeners who are quite engaged uh, on social media and here, I'm going to also throw in the email here in a little bit too. I have got a surprise for you. We, we want to, I want to extend my celebration of 100 episodes over to you. And so I have some details how you can receive some incredible gear from our friends over at Tapicu. They have been wonderful when it comes to, again, that back and forth relationship. They've helped me use their product, and I've been more than happy to be able to push their product uh, because I believe in it. It's a small business. It's a family-owned operation, and they just make amazing temperature probes that you can use in your smoker, in your crock pot, on your grill, you name it, you can use it there. You can keep an idea or a real look, real live look at your temperatures. And that's what it's all about is temperature control when it comes to our lean and golden wild game. We want to make sure we try to hit that magical mark. And this is one way that we can do that. So thank you so much for all the support that they've been able to give as well. So yeah, many much thanks to anyone and everyone. It really has been a village coming together and putting this on. I'm trying to make more of it as we come along, and it's just it makes it worthwhile when I sit down and I finally schedule something out. Like it can be a lot of work, and it does take away from my nine to five. Uh, but be able to circle back around and be like, yeah, this is helping people that folks are using and utilizing their wild game more. That in itself knows that the mission is being accomplished. I mean, if we were going to sum this up all into one little history, I kicked this off in 2018. I wanted to combine my love of creating in the kitchen and my sportsman's lifestyle where I would try to use as much of the harvest as possible. Along the way, I have learned from countless sources and tried a bunch of new techniques, all in the pursuit of making wild game delicious and ditch that so-called word of gamey. Here I am at episode 100, an achievement that took me longer than others, yet surpassed most because I stuck with it. I had a mission, and a vision for what Huntivore was going to become. Sitting here and taking a look back at what I've created, I can say that I am pleased. Pushing into the rest of 2022 and beyond 100 episodes, my mission is still driving. Huntivore will continue to focus on after the shot. Butchering, processing, preparing, cooking, and the best part, sharing and eating the wild harvest. Isn't that what it's all about? So, folks, thank you so much for all that you've been able to do. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. 
That's why we switch our slug guns to rifled barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tapacu line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tapacu uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tapacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tapacue.com or find the link in the show notes. And use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. So kind of transitioning, maybe a hard transition into this is right at this time, I was able to take a little bit of a uh, brocation that my crew and I went up to Crystal Mountain here in Michigan, uh, where I'm at, it's like, oh, two and a half hours north of Grand Rapids, which is a little bit more north of me as well. We hooked on the camper, and we took ourselves up to Crystal Mountain, and that's where the total archery challenge was. And man, what an event that it is. We've been, as long as it's been here in Michigan, I want to say it's six or seven years that we've been going to this event. And... Each year it provides another element of enjoyment for us. Um, I know I've been able to get to see a lot of the other podcasters um, in the state of Michigan and in the surrounding area because these events, they just they bring everybody together. I got a chance to see a few people up there to go ahead and just ask how they're doing, give them a hug, and just be like, hey, you know, you know, one another year. It's been it's great to see you. Um, I didn't get to do a lot of that this year because I really focused on my crew of guys. We've also been super busy. We haven't had a chance to to hang out with one another, and this was a real time where we could just let loose and not worry about uh, things going on around us. But I did get a chance to connect with Adam from the Bowhunter, Pro- Bowhunter Chronicles. Um, he's been a guy I've been uh, following for a long time, so it was fun to get a chance to just hang out with him. I missed his cookout. And that is something that we that I look forward to a lot. We went up a couple of years ago, and in, I brought up some stuff and just had a great time. And unfortunately, it just did not work into what we were doing uh, with my crew. Uh, also saw up there Kevin Vistason. He came all the way over from the east side to the west coast of Michigan. And uh, I got a chance to talk with him. He was carrying the camera around. Did not have that flashy red Ferrari bow. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see him take out a few shots with that. Unfortunately, he was there with the lens, taking pictures, making contact content, and uh, hanging out with folks. But it was tough. it was great to connect with him. Uh, it was great to see Joe Griffin and Amber Casey uh, ran into them. They were actually camping at the same campground uh, that we were at, and so it was fun to connect with them and just say hi. Uh, yeah, that pandemic years where you just didn't get to see people because of you know distancing, and so it was fun to see a few of those around. I did miss a whole bunch of people, though, that happened to be there, and 
yeah, you're just your paths are crossed because you're going from one thing to the next. So unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see as many people as I wish I would have. But anyway, I was going to give my two cents about Crystal Mountain. Norm- traditionally, it's up at Boyne Mountain, Michigan, and or Boyne Falls at the resort of Boyne Mountain. And that's been the traditional site. And we've gotten to know that site really well, and we've enjoyed it. Uh, the campground happens to be quite a ways away, and so it does make for a little distance when it comes to travel. You feel like you're stuck at that mountain. Um, but, of course, we bring enough in our packs, and we bring the cooler in the back of the truck, and we just make it we make it work. But taken up this year to, to Crystal Mountain, we found that our campsite happened to be at the base of the hill. Uh primo camping uh there at at crystal mountain in fact yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the name because they were such cool people uh betsy river campground and canoes they're just about maybe a half mile away from the entrance of uh the ski hill the ski run it was great to be able to go uh, and find a little refuge like that they've got sites for they've got rustic sites um where, and I think they have just power sites, and I know where they've eventually they put us. They did have 30-amp hookup, so we could bring our camper in. We loaded up the fresh water tank, made sure that uh, the gray and the black were all flushed out, and parked it, set the camper, and we had a great time that whole weekend. We had ample space. The people around us, they were all archers as well that were heading over there, and it was almost like a tack takeover there of the campground. We got a chance to meet Ryan. Um, Ryan is the owner of Betsy River uh, Canoes and Campgrounds. I want to make sure I keep saying that because there is two Betsy Rivers. Um, but Ryan was driving around on his golf cart. and In fact, he had his boy with him a couple times. And just seeing that you know, he's turned this into a, a family business and he and his wife were working all weekend, they just provided an ample space and just a refuge for... Guys like us to have a great time. You know, we were we got a little bit loud there on one of the nights. We actually joined with a couple of the campgrounds, but you feel like you're such off the beaten path, and we could just not bother anybody. So, Ryan, bang up place that you have there. I'm already looking forward to next year to joining you there and to hopefully have it at Crystal Mountain again. There is, uh, I haven't gotten confirmation that it's going to be at Crystal a second year. There's some other talks of other places. I'm sure the uh, the rumor mill will have a lot of this stuff coming through, and that's all right. We'll just patiently wait for when TAC releases uh, the next information so that we can then prepare for the next time we want to come up. But uh, heading up there, just like with any growing event, you're going to have your hiccups. You're going to have your stuff that goes wrong. And, you know, I got a couple things on a list here that I do want to say. If any of my, uh, if any of the TAC volunteers or TAC uh, workers are listening to this, first off, thank you for keeping on doing this event. It is a, it's a, just a fun time for us to get away, to go shoot bows and to really challenge ourselves. These shots are just incredibly difficult and you do, you put us through the paces but a couple noticeable hiccups we had was that whole registration bug. And I'm sure I'm not the only person to mention this, but I do want to say that that is the gorilla in the room was getting registered was an absolute 
headache trying to be able to get into that. I know you have uh, a couple different avenues that you're going to try to go. In fact, Michigan was going to be on that registration platform that you created, and then it wasn't. You went back to the old way, which made the group signups a little difficult. It was cumbersome and it was clunky. But I want to say the response that you had afterwards was great. We sent emails saying, hey, our group's not together. If there's a possibility you could get our group together, that would be great. We would like an early time. But whatever you can do, you can do. We understand that you've got to do a lot for a lot of people. They were able to get back with us, and they said, yep, we've opened up some new knock times. You are heading up the mountain at 7 a.m., and we enjoyed it. With it being as warm as it was, man, going through some of those morning hikes, we actually put on a little bit of a sweatshirt, a uh, long sleeve, something just to keep uh, keep your skin covered because it was chilly in those mornings. But after you got hiking, oh, it was a beautiful June after or beautiful June morning in Michigan. You can't get any better than that. And then finally by afternoon, you get a little bit of the heat, you get a little bit of the humidity, and yeah, we were we were sweating through our shirts really quickly. But at the same time, we appreciate you guys getting us all together. Um lining up though for the second shoot, that was another cumbersome thing because of the amount of knock times that continued out into the afternoon. You guys were doing your best to be able to get all those shooters up for the first time. But now we've got this roundabout where the second shooters have been waiting for several hours. They want to be able to get their second chance at a different course. And it made for quite the waiting game. Um, I did see some gentlemen kind of become infants in the line when they are asked to wait. That was, I mean... Come on, guys. There was some carrying on. There was some yelling, some hollering, and just some plain old belly aching going on. They eventually took off, and you know what? Better for them because somebody else deserving, someone who shows a little bit of patience, could could get on the hill. Um, I think that was the key to it is just we needed to be patient, but it was also a noticeable hiccup of the event was there was a lot of just waiting for something to happen without clear estimation of when something was going to move. So those are my hiccups. Those are my things that uh, were an issue. And yeah, I'm sure those are going to be addressed. That's one of those things that I'm going to say it, but I know there's going to be a lot of people that are already saying that as well. So I'm sure it's going to be looked at. But now the new venue, going on these new courses, they had six courses available, three that were up the hill, and then three that were on a shuttle system. And the three that went up the hill did not disappoint. Um, we did, in the first day, we've, we always end up having a long day, and we kind of make it that way. We really want to push ourselves. Uh, we enjoy the up and down to a point. We like to uh, harass each other, but at the same time, like really work out the fitness app. When it comes to getting this, like, look at all the floors we did. Look at all the miles we did. And we enjoy working hard and feeling like we came off a legitimate mountain. So we did Sitka and we did Prime uh, on Friday. And the distances and the sinister saplings and trees that were put in the way really flexed how hard we could a hike, but at the same time, how we could then settle ourselves and try to get that arrow into foam. 
I want to say that we didn't we didn't score amazing, but we at least hit foam. I guess that was our going for. We we would always talk about like when somebody would hit, like oh that'll eat. I don't know where the uh, the rings are going to tell you to go, but at least that that critter's going to be dead. Eel are going to get it. Um, so there was a lot of fives taken. Uh, of course, there was a number of number of zeros where we did we put it too high, put it too low, or happened to stick a tree. Um, but we felt like we were good. There was 240 possible points for each course, given if you got in the 12 ring on the 20 targets that were there. Oh, that was the other other thing that was on there. We were bellyaching first that there was only 20 targets instead of 25 targets, that at the end of the weekend, we were going to miss out on essentially a whole course of targets with each of the four uh Shooting courses, taking away five. After all that hiking, we were okay with 20. We felt like, you know what? We got our money's worth. We got what we came for. So 20 wasn't half bad. But from that, there was a total score of 240 points. And we considered it a celebration. I, as scorekeeper, um, I got to quickly congratulate each archer as they eclipsed that 100 point mark and that would take us probably up until like 13 14 targets and then uh, I think I want to say my highest score of the the weekend I think I was in the 140s so I did I left 100 points out there but I felt good about how I was shooting I felt good uh, with my form and in fact, so the, the targets that counted, as in the ones that really had um, the momentum behind them, I felt like I did really well. Um, I have an opportunity to go chase elk this September. So that was where we stepped up to an elk at 80 yards on the black rifle. And I uh, basically having a standing elk moving from left to right, excuse me, from right to left. And I have to take that 80-yard shot, and I end up putting it in the 10 ring. And that felt good, especially if I can get to an elk at 80 yards. I feel like, man, maybe maybe I can send a Hail Mary and put it in that big beast right there. So that was fun to be able to do. The other target, and this takes us to the next day where we were on the knock-on course. You talk about something that's really pressuring you. John Dudley really did a bang-up job of making these uh, targets super difficult. The one happened to be, I think it was some sort of, I think it was a bobcat. But anyway, it was towards the smaller end of the size targets, and it's an uphill shot. And there are two trees that are staggered side by side, and the opening is only six inches. Um for folks that were there, you will know that as target 15 on the knock-on course. And we were really it was really tight as far as the points race was going. I was actually behind uh one of one in our group. I was like six points behind. I needed some tens to kind of switch this around. And we came up to that target. And the group was trying to talk itself into taking a sidestep and not shoot in the gap. And going and playing the game, 
I kind of put my archer hat aside and I said, you know what, this is my opportunity. I use my bubble level to make sure that I'm sending uh, that arrow as straight up and down a true arc trajectory. I didn't want to cant. I don't like to cant my uh, compound bow. And so I knew I could I could slide one through that gap. I said, I'm pretty confident that I can get it through. Whether I can get a good hit or not, that's beside the point. But I need to I need to mush something's gotta push. Something's gotta move. I gotta shake this up. So I said, no, no, I'm I'm gonna shoot through the gap. I feel confident that I can get through. I wanna I wanna really push myself. And that kind of forced the hand of the guy that was in first and the guy that was in third behind me that they're going to follow suit. They don't want to have to come back and say, oh, I won because of me taking the easier route. I knew they were going to be thinking about it, so I forced their hand, and I actually made a 10-ring shot, and the two of them actually missed. One went high and one hit the tree, and yes, it felt good to play the game. It felt good to be the villain at that point, to really stick it to them and laugh as we go along the, the trail, just listening listening to them, jack jaw, and just be bent out of shape because I, I forced us to go into that gap. So anyway, those were a couple really memorable targets that that we have from that, and that was just good fun. Um, but yeah, we we also did the BRCC, like I mentioned earlier, with the 80-yard elk. And it was, uh, instead of the up and down game, that was a great course of just level ground, beautiful uh, Michigan woods, ferns everywhere. I mean, it was almost like you're just walking, you're walking through a painting at this point. It was just beautiful scenery, and we just had an amazing time. Um, like I said, mentioning, we, we had a great time camping as well. We brought the full spread to our camp, and we had the smoker. We had the, um, what else did we have? Oh, we had a full-on Blackstone. We in we took in all the calories that we burned on that weekend, for sure. For sure, we ate as many calories as we burned because it was just some dynamite food. You get a bunch of guys together, and we just put together a mess of quick food. A lot of bacon, a lot of burgers. Um, we had tacos one night with all the fixings, and just throwing those on the ground or throwing those on the blackstone. You couldn't have asked for anything better. So that was what we had done. A good friend of mine that was also on the trip too, what I am now uh, going to refer to as Pappy's smoked shot shells. He had an idea that he wanted to do, and he had talked about these smoked shot shells that he saw on YouTube. I will go ahead and find that link, and I will then push that over um, to you. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But it was a great little recipe to do very quickly. You can do it within an hour, and I think with prep time, I think the whole thing is about an hour and a half. But you get yourself some manicotti. Manicotti. I'm going to have someone Italian go ahead and rip me a new one as I'm trying to say this. But I think it's manicotti. But they're about an inch in diameter, and they're long tubes of dry pasta. 
So you get yourself a couple packs of those, and you now are going to stuff that with a sausage mixture. What we put together was two packages of, um, so it was essentially two pounds. We mixed up two pounds of pork sausage, whatever flavors you want to go with. We also added in uh, poblano. We wanted to stay from the way from jalapeno. We wanted more of a pepper flavor. You could go jalapeno easy in this recipe. Um, we went with a package of shredded cheese or shred your own cheese. I forget how much it was. We were eyeballing a lot of this as we were mixing it up. And then there was one brick of cream cheese. And you make the, you get this into a mixture. So you either mix it by hand or you end up you know putting it in through uh, your mixer at home. But you get that all mixed up and into your your uh, your sausage stuffing at this point. Again, you could go any route that you want to. Immediately, we were using pork stuff. I'm thinking go with some veni sausage, add some extra either pork shoulder or pork back fat into that just to get the uh, the amount of fat that we want to be able to render out of this thing. Um, but you could play with the amount of cheese. You can play with the amount of spice. Super easy to mix with that. You then just take that manicotti and you stuff it. You basically, what my buddy found to work the best is he almost used it like a cookie cutter where he just pushed it into the ball of sausage and just repeated that step and it would just shove more of that sausage up and through. He would then flip it over, do the same thing, give it an extra push to make sure the middle was completely filled. You wrap a piece of bacon all the way around it slather that with whatever barbecue sauce. We just went with a uh, Jack Daniels-style barbecue sauce, but I'm thinking you could really pizzazz that up with something with some heat on it, something maybe you want to stay on the sweet side, and you could really go with like a sweet baby raise on the outside of that. But you just lather on that sauce, put those onto uh, the racks of your smoker, and at 300 It'll take an hour. Ours would only, mine only goes to 275. So I actually added another 15 minutes just to make sure that it would work. And boom, it worked out incredible. After an hour and 15 minutes, we pulled these out. I would give them just a minute to uh, rest and solidify at that point. But that, through all the bacon on the outside and then all the sausage fat on the inside of that noodle, that pasta, and then with the heat and duration of time, that pasta gets very nice and soft. Not to the point where it's beginning to flop and you can't hold it, but it really does add, it's el dente through the smoker. Like it's got a little bit of a tooth to it, but at the same time, the the soft of the sausage, the savoriness, and then the added pasta bit on there as the vehicle to eat these things, they were amazing. I think I ate a full one on my own and a couple buddies ended up eating two at uh, at dinner. They, they're they filling just along with everything else we had on there. So we had several that we ended up sticking into the fridge. That evening, and that would happen to be Saturday, we had a bunch of guys from the neighboring camps come over, play some bean bags, shoot the shit. They were, they were all from all... Uh, cheered for that school over on the east side of the state 
um, what they what we affectionately call as big brother, but they just don't act like a big brother anymore. But anyway, the talk went back and forth between the green and the blue, and it was just an all around great time. And it got late in the evening. Everybody had put on uh, kind of like their their last couple beers that they were going to be having at about eleven forty. Everybody's kind of like getting a little little hankering, and I know I was getting a little hungry. And so I went, pulled those back out, heated them up in the microwave in the in the camper, brought that out as kind of like a little charcuterie board, a little smorgasbord, and it hit the spot. Man, that got everybody lively again. And there was a few guys that didn't go to bed till way late in the evening. Um, but, yeah, by that time I was fully whipped, and so I ended up moving on into the camper. But I tell you, what a weekend that was, and what a great way to be able to add a little recipe in there. That smoked shot shell, that's going to be one of those, I think, when it comes to big gatherings and I have just a little bit of time before the party, before the event, you can throw those into your smoker, and you can use any kind of sausage uh, that, you're, that you've that you got, whether it be Venny, whether it be bear. Oh, man, I can't even imagine a bear sausage inside one of these shot shells. You know, you could throw in a lot of spice. You throw your into your uh, jalapeno. You could keep the seeds in. I think at that point you have to call it a magnum. I think it's a magnum load at that point if you have this, the uh, the heat in on those. But I'll go ahead and find that link, and I'll put that in the show notes so that you guys can check that out. And, again, make sure you're sharing all that stuff uh, with me either on Instagram or email that over to me. I love to see it, and I, I'm trying to do more where I can uh, share that stuff out on, on my own feed so that we get a chance to see what possibilities we have when it comes to utilizing our wild game. And a lot of times, you know, we, we talk about getting rid of the gamey and not covering up the flavor. But there's some times where it's like, man, just bring on the sauce. Bring on the indulgence. You know what? Let's just let's wrap on the bacon. Let's let's sauce it up. And that's that's what it's all about. That's what makes it fun. One of the last topics I want to talk about, too, is um, a find that I had out of, of, off of a stump. So I'm playing disc golf with my brother-in-laws. Isn't it funny how disc golf is now? It's been growing, 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 growing. And I played it back in college, uh, got married, and then had kids. And then it was like I didn't have time for I didn't have time for that. I'm not a very good golfer anyway. Something about swinging a club, I can't, I can't do it. I can swing a bat, but it just doesn't translate into a golf club. But I can throw a Frisbee pretty dang well. And my brother-in-law's got into it. They're a little bit younger than I am. So I said, you know what? I'll dust off my discs, and I'll come join you. And then they showed me the world that it's become, that disc golf is really in its growing phase right now between courses and leagues. And, heck, now on online, you can find it on YouTube. There's different websites. You can essentially watch golf you can watch disc golf the way that you watch golf on Sundays and see the different lines that these guys are throwing big time championships more more dollars going into the sport so it's drawing more attention it's super cool and of course now that uh Joe Rogan has talked about it and his uh Bert I don't want to say it's his co-host but it's his buddy Bert is all into it right now he throws a wraith 
I throw a wraith. That's kind of a cool connection. But to hear that like it's it's coming out of the woodwork is good. But anyway, I'm out there throwing, and I throw one off the fairway. Imagine that. I tried to really rip it, and it ended up sailing off, hysering over, if you want a technical sound, so that uh, it went into the weeds. As it went into the weeds, I had to go chase after it. I get to my disc. I find it. I happen to turn around to see where everybody is at. So after some pictures, both of the tops and of the side, I forgot to take a picture of the bottom. But anyway, I sent those off to a very knowledgeable friend. Actually, he was on the podcast. He was one of my guests, John Smith, um, guy I went to high school with. He and his family are very knowledgeable um, about certain species of things that they forage for. They can't tell you everything that's sitting on the ground, but they can definitely tell you the stuff that they search for, and he was very excited when I found that. He said, yep. He goes, one thing you really got to look for is the gills on the underside. Are they white? If they're white gills on the underside, then you are sitting pretty. So that was super exciting to go back. Actually, I left them there. I, I went home, came back, and had brought a bucket with, and then I was able to check, yes, those are white gills. Got a bunch of them. Actually, I got filled up that five-gallon bucket of them, and I went about preserving those as much as I could. I used a dehydrator and dehydrated uh, a whole bunch of those, to, and then I also tried reconstituting them, and that's where you then use a hot liquid or cold liquid. I put that to the test as well. I read on an article that it didn't matter if it was hot or cold that they're going to reconstitute, but that the cooler the water, the more of the flavor would stay in the mushroom. So I thought, well, if I can do it with tap water, um, with room temperature water, as opposed to having to heat it up, then I'm going to go that route. And these golden oysters bounced back quite well. I did about 20 minutes in some water that was room temperature, and they just really did a good job. If I were to put these in a sauce, or if I were to make a soup out of these, I even might think about using like maybe half water, half white wine, uh, especially something I'm trying to like impart more flavor. That would be one thing that I could do to really enrich that. But Water in itself did a great job in reconstituting them. I think if I were to do it again, I'd probably give it 30 minutes as opposed to the 20. Um, but I ended up pulling them out of there. You give them a squeeze to get the um, the residual water that's on them or in them out. Pat them dry. I then just melted a little butter in a pan. Quick sear on that side, sautéed both sides with a little bit of salt. And then I split those up between me and my wife as a little treat just to try these out. And, man, I think that's going to be a mainstay in our pantry, um, knowing that I have that little site picked out. If they come back year after year, I'm able to, going to be able to harvest those and uh, keep a little supply in our pantry. But that just brings out a whole new experience to be able to find those and be able to use them fresh off the disc golf course. And I'm... Uh, sitting pretty with those golden oyster mushrooms. Um, but yeah, I've preserved my first batch. I need to go back and, and get some more because I'd really like to make some cream of mushroom soup. Um, and I hear making them out of the fresh is the best. The reconstituted ones, I guess, can work, 
but I guess I want to go with the fresh ones on this. And it just seems the, the time that I'm trying to do that right now, it's really kind of like a heat wave. We're in the 90s right here in Michigan right now. So it's like to think about eating soup might be a little bit much. So, yeah, that is my two rest, or my two uh, wild game pieces right there, the uh, smoked shy shells and the golden oysters uh, that I found. They are out now. I would look for them as you're going along. Uh and yeah, we're not too far off between black caps or black raspberries, or I mean, we call them the wrong way, and we call them blackberries. Um, but that is coming up soon, where the berries are going to start to ripen out on the woodlots and on the field edges. Uh, that's already a, a good time. I want to make a whole bunch of jam. That's a favorite uh, berry of mine, even with all the seeds. Maybe I can get enough to to be able to make a pie. That would be that would be really good. Um, I know earlier this year, my, my grandfather passed away and, and very soon after my grandmother also passed away and we had, we, yeah, it was a celebration of both of their lives. Um, but one thing grandma was really good at making was blackberry pie. And the whole challenge was to get enough of those blackberries worthy to make a pie as a young kid, that took a lot of effort. That took a lot because at the same time as I'm picking, I'm also eating. It's a problem that I've always had. <laughs> I can't seem to not stop eating to save them for later. But if we can then get a load of those, then we can start making some pies, and that would be right up my alley. That would be right up here in the summertime that I'm that I'm looking forward to. So, yeah. So I'm going to kind of also wrap things up here with a giveaway that I'm going to be doing for you guys, the listeners, the viewers, the people who join along with the Hunt of War and the mission that we stand for. And I want to be able to make sure to get some quality equipment over to you guys. Um, so I, I did. I contacted my friends over there at Tappicue. I talked to Jacob, and I said, Jacob, I want to do a giveaway for my 100th episode and he said great what are you thinking about doing and I was like you know one of those things I keep pushing a lot is your air probes I think those are super cool and he's like yep yep how about we do this how about we'll give away two air probes so there's two winners right there so two winners will receive a Tappacue air probe that is a bluetooth enabled uh, probe. There's no wires on this. It uses a little battery charger that you know clicks into its housing. It's got a magnet on the back, so you can click it right there on your fridge, so you're not going to lose it. And that thing is only about the size of a pen. I have been able to put this into venison. I've been able to put it, you know, into big cuts of venison. I've been able to put it into little chops of venison. I can get that probe in there. Uh, I can. I've put that even into when I was cooking pigeon. I slid that into one of the pigeons. It is a little bit bigger than, say, other probes that I've seen on the market, but at the same time, the amount, the ability to just put that in and then put that into the heating vessel that you want to go to is super slick. Connects right with your Bluetooth. It's got pretty good range, um, but you can't walk away from from it necessarily, you got. I mean, you're gonna have to crack a beer and sit there next to your smoker. I'm sorry, that's just the way of things. 
Um, so I'm going to be giving away two of those. And then Jacob decided to up the ante, and he said, I also want to throw in one of our Tapic one Air uh, monitors with the dual probe system. So this one has actual plug-in probes, and it's got a dual probe so that not only is it doing the temperature on the inside, but you're also getting the temperature of the chamber. So you're getting two temperatures per one probe and the Tapic Air uses Wi-Fi. So now you can hook up to that and as long as you've got Wi-Fi, you can then check that anywhere that you're at. If you want to go to the store and get those few extra items, you can. If you want to then be able to walk around your house, as long as you got reception, you can be able to check on what you are smoking, grilling, cooking, uh, sous vide it, it, they're water resistant, which is super, they're waterproof. That keeps them going. I would not suggest the microwave, uh, but that's, that's a metal thing. So, you know, you wouldn't be able to do that anyway. So anyway, that's going to be the giveaway. And what I want to be able to do is give you guys a couple different chances to enter. One is going to be, I'm going to make a post on, uh, Instagram and Facebook, I will have that post up so that you can check that out. And if you can, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with that. Basically, if you share it with a friend, then that gets you an entry into uh, the into or to to win one of those. Um, I'm thinking maybe if we if you share it on your stories, that's like a second one, like a second entry. That would be fun. Um, but then for a third entry, I'm going to have you send me an email. Tell me what you think about the show. Tell me, give me a review via the, via an email. I know there, there's an easy way to leave a review. And if you want to leave a review on the show as well, that would be super awesome. But I just want to get your, uh, your feedback on what you think of the show. I want you to get your feedback on what you think, um, maybe what's a direction we should think about, what's something I should try. Yeah, just let me know. And I'll consider that another entry. So you have a possibility of three entries into this giveaway to be able to get either a Tapic Air Probe or the grand prize being the Tapic One Air with the dual probe on it. So yeah, that's it. That is episode 100. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been such a wild ride, and I'm hoping that with the pace that I have going, that we're still going to continue to do bi-weekly. This is the way that I find to make it sustainable. Um, having a family, having a 9-to-5, you know, I gotta, I got to figure something out. The slow roll is the way we're going to do this, and we're going to keep it going. So, again, thank you, folks. And, uh, yeah, we're getting into that grilling season, so I hope that your grill stays hot, but your knife always stays sharp.